the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's the Nick D Podcast. How are you? Uh, welcome to episode number 57. I am your host, Nick DeGilio, and we are part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits. Um, check out radiomisfits.com. There are varied and tons of all kinds of really cool podcasts that are on radiomisfits.com. I'm happy to be a part of it. And uh, please take the time to rate and review us on every single platform. That's right. So, uh, you know, subscribe and like us and all that cool stuff. And uh, welcome to the Nick D Podcast. And if you want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast, you can do it anytime you want. Any thoughts, any questions, any comments, anything that you want to share with us. Do it via voicemail, 773-417-6948 or via email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Email. Voicemail, 773-417-6948. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the sounds and the themes that you hear today and every day and every podcast episode on the Nick D Podcast. Hey, be a sponsor on the Nick D Podcast. How about that? Advertise with us. Be a part of us. Buy a little time uh, on the podcast. Lots and lots of people listen to us. You will reach a ton of people. If you want to be a sponsor or if you want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast, you can do that. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com, sales at radiomisfits.com. That's how you get a hold of us and all that cool stuff. Uh, so there you go. Hey, it is the first Tuesday of the month, which means that it is for the people. Yes, that's right. Every single first episode of uh, the first Tuesday of each month. We do a For the People-themed episode, and that means that Herb Weissbaum joins us. Herb is the consumer man, um, and uh, he is a, an amazing, amazing guy with checkbook.org, and he's been helping consumers out for 40-something years. He helps you with your money to keep things safe, to keep you from scams. Any consumer-related comments or questions or stories or any of that stuff that's happening, we update them and give you all the help that you need in that department. And then as uh, the second uh, guest on our For the People uh, podcasts is Tom Appel. Tom is uh, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Consumer Guide Automotive, incredible publication uh, that you can read online. You can read everywhere. Check out their blog. Check out their pictures. He is a car expert extraordinary, one of the most entertaining people that I've ever known. Always a fun guest. We talk about car issues, automotive issues. Uh, he reviews cars for us and tells you uh, anything you need to know and any questions that you have. Any car automotive-related questions and comments and stories are all completely covered, and it's all for you. It's for the people. The people also like jokes, so my dad joins me uh, every For the People episode to stop by uh, the house and tell one of his classic jokes. My dad is a classic himself, and he uh, will tell a joke as well. So there you go, For the People, Herb Weissbaum, our consumer guy. 
Tom Appel, the car guy, and Nick DiGilio, my father, the joke guy, all part of For the People. That's what's coming up on this episode. Uh, and also coming up Hi, is this. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's I, show. I know you Hi, do, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yes, I do. Hey, uh, so this weekend coming up is the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, and I am telling you this now because you need to be there for the weekend. It's August 5th through the 7th. It's the greatest horror convention of all time. Tons of amazing guests and celebrities are going to be there, led by... Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England, is going to be there. You can meet and greet him. Tons of other great celebrities. Alex Winter, who, by the way, was on the last episode of the podcast. Alex uh, Winter, Bill of the Bill and Ted movies. Robert Carradine is going to be there. Um, uh, PJ Souls and John Michael Graham are going to be there from the original Halloween movie. And they're not only going to be there, but they are going to be part of my live podcast. That's right. The very first live Nick D podcast will be recorded at the Flashback Convention this weekend. And my co-host, Esmeralda, who always takes for the people, she always takes that, uh, this episode off. Uh, she's off this week, but we'll, you know, we'll do another episode that will be coming out on Friday. And then over the weekend, we will be recording the very first live podcast. Um, and, and it is on Saturday afternoon at 1230 in the big Rosemont Ballroom at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare as part of the Flashback uh, Weekend Horror Convention. First live podcast, and we want our Nick D fans out there in mass to pack the place. Be a part of the podcast. We're going to talk about great horror movies, the scariest things you've ever seen. Uh, we might have some surprise guests. I'm not going to tell you what they are. It wouldn't be a surprise then. And PJ Souls and John Michael Graham, who played um, Bob and Linda, from the original John Carpenter Halloween. They both get murdered. Don't, uh, don't mean to, to, to ruin it for anybody. But they're going to join us on stage as part of the podcast, and their Q&A is going to happen while we are recording our first live podcast. And we want you to be there. We're going to have a mic in the audience to do some Q&A stuff. And uh, if you want to be a part of it, to be in the audience, to give us support, let's pack that place. So it is Saturday, August 6th at 12.30 p.m. 12.30 p.m., Saturday, August 6th is our first live podcast. So get there, be there, pack the place, and then stay for the whole weekend, August 5th through the 7th, with all the activities and the movie screenings and the celebrity things and the events and the Q&As and the vendors and all kinds of stuff. The costume contest, which will be hosted by the great Sven Gulli, who will also be there live. And on Saturday, we are recording our very first live podcast, and we want our audience to be packed. So please be out there. Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Uh, for the whole weekend, and on Saturday, August 6th at 12.30 at the Hyatt Regency, uh, you can check us out. And speaking of the Hyatt Regency, we got a cool voicemail. And again, send your voicemails. Leave them anytime you want. We love to play them back. It's uh, 773-417-6948. Here is uh, Chuck, who left an interesting voicemail for us. Hi, this is Chuck. I know you probably know this already, but you were talking about your flashback convention at the Hyatt. Did you know that the filmed an episode of Route 66 at that hotel. It co-starred Peter Lorre, Boris Karloff, and Lon Chaney Jr. If you've never seen it, you should look it up. Thank you. Bye. There you go. Another reason to check it out. So you can be in the place that Peter Lorre and Lon Chaney Jr. and Boris Karloff were in. Uh, they actually filmed a, uh, a scene from a 
from a, a TV show there. It's a great, it's a great hotel, great amenities and beautiful restaurants, incredibly cool glass elevators. It is as big and beautiful a hotel as you can possibly get. We're going to be there all weekend celebrating that convention. It's the 20th anniversary of the Flashback Horror Convention. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. Flashbackweekend.com. August 5th through the 7th. Incredible and on fun stuff. And on August 6th, Saturday, this Saturday, August 6th, 1230 in the afternoon. That's when it all starts. That's when our live podcast will begin. And it will go for an hour. So please be out there. Support us. So uh, there you go. All right. Uh, so that's coming up this weekend. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. Saturday, this Saturday, August 6th, 1230 in the afternoon uh, in the big Rosemont Ballroom. Be there for the live version of the Nick T podcast. All right. For the people begins with Herb Weisbaum after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jagoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes. He is the Consumer Man. You can check him out at, uh, well, on, on, let's see, hold on a second. Uh, The Consumer Man on Twitter. The Consumer Man on Twitter, correct? I don't know. Uh, I never go to myself. Uh, sure, that's fine. <laughs> and, at, at, yes. and, and Consumer Man uh, and theconsumerman.com and checkbook.org, yes. uh, where you write a whole bunch and of stuff. Facebook for, and at Consumer Man. I'm like, ev- I'm multimedia. I'm almost everywhere. As as everywhere. And joins us uh, the first Tuesday of each month as part of our uh, For the People podcast, which we love to do. And uh, here to help out with any and all of your consumer questions and issues, it's Herb Weissbaum. Hi, Herb. Hi, Nick. So nice to be with you every month. I so look forward to this. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Me too. It's, uh, it, is, it is mutual. Absolutely. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of uh, issues to talk about. Uh, tell us a little bit about Checkbook.org and some of the other, uh, other places where people can read your stuff. Sure. Checkbook.org is a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C. that rates services in seven cities across the country, including Chicago. And there's also, if I remember them all, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, St. Paul, San Francisco and Seattle. And it's unlike other things you may be aware of that uh, get paid money uh, to rate contractors or other things. We're a nonprofit, no ads, no money. We tell it like it is, uh, which makes it unique. And um we will, in a little bit in the program, tell people how they can get a free subscription for 30 days if they want to check out some of these ratings. But it basically is, you know, when you don't have an advertiser calling the shots, as you know, Nick, you can say whatever you want to say. And that's really kind of great. And that's what we do. We just tell it like it is. There you go. And that's uh, checkbook.org. Checkbook. And we will, yep. again, uh, inform uh, how exclusively just Nick D podcast subscribers and listeners can get, a, can get a very cool thing here. And we'll tell you how to do that coming up. Um, all right, before we dive into some of the other things, we have an update from the last time we spoke that we want to get to and some of the other stories that you've been covering and issues. We do always uh, uh, ask people if they have questions uh, or, or concerns. And again, you can leave it on the voicemail at 
4176948 that's the Nick D podcast uh, voicemail hotline 7734176948 or you can do the email way nickdpodcast@gmail.com and herb that's what somebody did our good friend mike who is a subscriber and a regular listener we say hi Great. to mike thank you to mike for subscribing and listening he's got a he's got a, a pretty simple question herb are you ready for it sure it says for a domestic trip is it better to deal uh, to book through, is it a better deal to book through a travel aggregator like Orbitz or Expedia or to book through each airline and hotel individually? We've covered this before. What do you say to Mike? Sometimes you can get a better deal going through a travel av- a- aggregator, although most of the airlines now also offer deals. Uh, I'm a big believer in going through the airline itself uh, because uh, we're, the world we live in now with delays and cancellations and all kinds of problems, and if you get COVID and whatever, I want to deal directly with the source, and I don't want to have some middle company in between me and, and the source. And we've had a lot of problems with people reporting, especially during the pandemic, trying to deal with stuff. And the airline points the fingers at the travel aggregator and the travel aggregator points a finger at the airline and the hotel. And I would much rather, you don't usually get much better deals or even significantly better deals by booking this way. Uh, the, the way they work now is that if you contact them on their website, they usually give you the best deals available. I mean, you may save a few dollars from bundling, but I just want to be able to deal with them directly if there's a problem. Because uh, I I hear the I hear the downsides when people contact us with complaints they that they have the runaround and, and you just don't want that in this day and age with travel being as crazy as it is. That's my yeah. two cents. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've talked about that uh, in the past. The, the yeah. less complicated it is it's. I mean, traveling as you as you just mentioned, traveling can be a real pain as it is. Yes. You know, uh, and especially now with all the complications as you mentioned, but you want to make it as as easy as easy as possible. So that's your suggestion. To and there's that. no problem. I mean, I hate, sorry guys at the travel aggregators, but I have no problem with like using those to find the best deals if you're comparing airlines. <laughs> I mean, usually when I'm traveling someplace, I know which airline I want to go in because it's a nonstop from Seattle to wherever I'm going. But if you want to compare deals, you know, you can use those sites that sort of see what the the options are, and then uh, you know go from there to the airline and book it directly. But that's just the way I do it. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you, Mike, uh, again, for listening. Thanks, Thank you Mike. for subscribing, and thanks for uh, the question. And again, if you have questions for Herb uh, or any questions uh, for the uh, for the uh, people segment, like if you have a car question for Tom Appel, who will be joining us in a little bit, uh, you can leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. We have an, uh, an update to do uh, before we get to some of the newer things and some of the other things that you've been covering for uh, checkbook.org. Um, and this concerns the robo, uh, the scam robo calls. Now, this is a topic yep. that comes up every single time we talk because it's an epidemic and it continues to be an epidemic. Uh, those robo calls, those scam calls are crazy. But the FCC is kind of stepping in now, especially when it has something to do with these scam auto warranty uh, renewal calls that yes. seem, to be, seem to be very popular. Tell us a little bit what's going on there. Yeah, every time we talk, every time I talk about the subject of robocalls, everybody always asks me, why don't they do something about it? And the FCC has been doing a number of things to try to cut down on robocalls. Uh, the bad guys, it's like whack-a-mole. They always try to get around it. Yeah, we do have an update. There's a lot, there are a lot of annoying robocalls. But one of the ones that has been around for probably the longest, I, I've been covering this for over 20 years now, Nick, and it just won't go away, is the auto warranty recall. And here's what it sounds like. Take a listen. All right, let's uh, let's give that a listen. Hi there, this is Jessica calling in regards to your Volkswagen warranty. The warranty is up for renewal. I'd like to congratulate you on your $1,000 instant rebate and free maintenance and oil change package for being a loyal customer. Call me back at 
206 to redeem now. Thank you so much. Have a great day. So some people who get these calls don't even have the vehicle in question, the, the, the maker model, the vehicle. Some people yeah. still have a warranty on their car. What's trying to do with these robocalls is trying to sell you yeah. a very expensive uh, extended warranty on a vehicle that probably gives you no coverage because there are so many outs to the thing that you probably will never be able to use it. That's the complaints that we hear in the uh, the federal agencies here from people who fall for this robocall. So here's the good news. The FCC uh, just a few days ago uh, announced that it's robocall response team. How about that? They even have a robocall response team. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing them sw- dressed up in SWAT in SWAT uniforms. You yeah, know I mean? right. You have bulletproof Climb, vests in the whole thing. Climbing down yep. the side of the building on. Anyway, that's an image I'm going to stick with for me for a while. Yeah, but uh, yeah. they've ordered the phone companies to stop carrying traffic regarding this known robocall scam on auto warranties from a company called Roy Cox Jr., Aaron Michaels Jones, and there are some co-Panama companies and international associates. I have no idea where they're located, if they're here in the U.S. or both overseas. But anyway, according to the FCC, these guys are responsible for making more than 8 billion unlawful pre-recorded messages to wow. American consumers since 2018. 8 wow. billion. And uh, so they have ordered these companies, the phone companies now, they're telling them, like, we know this is a scam. Stop delivering the, the telephone traffic. And if you don't, then we're going to come down on you because we told you to knock it off because you're delivering a scam phone call. That's, wow. a, that's a good way to do it. You go to the carriers and tell them we've dis- determined that, uh, you know, we, there's a problem here. Knock this one off. They're trying other ways, too. But this is something I like this. This is a novel approach. And uh, it's going to hopefully, I mean, if they're doing 8 billion robocalls since 2018, that's going to knock down that traffic uh, just a little bit. So that's the to go, way to go, FCC. That's wow. a good move. Wow. So is it possible for them to, I mean, since they've made this kind of, I mean, because this is a big deal, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we've been plagued with these. We're still going to be plagued with them. But sure. that's, a little, that's a little way of chipping, chipping away at it. What else can, is the FCC trying to do it, not just for the auto warranty, but for other robocalls? Are, are there, is there an effort to try and get those to stop as well? Yeah, they, they, since we spoke last, they've made it a, a rule now that the telephone companies that deliver overseas calls into America, these, these companies that do the hookup between the two, are yeah. now required to use what is called a stir shaken technology. And uh, that is a, a, a system where that the phone company uh, has electric uh, means to determine that the uh, call is legitimately coming from whom it's supposedly coming and not uh, being spoofed. So uh, that's what the stir shaken mm. technology has done. But it wasn't the loophole was the overseas callers weren't uh, being uh, that wasn't affecting them. Now they've told the phone companies again, you've got to use a stir shaken technology for the calls that are coming from overseas. That will help. It may not block them, but it may just show up on your phone. Scam, scam, likely spam, whatever, to yeah. let you know not to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, and then also every once in a while, um, I've got to give them credit. Also, the Department of Justice is trying to work with overseas countries to try to, to shut down some of these boiler rooms. I mean, every once in a while, you know, there have been cases where they've gone in with the Nigerian police and shut down an entire boiler room with these people making gazillions of these calls for years and years and years. Right. So they're trying, but we're never going to get our way out of this with law enforcement. It's going to be smarter and knowing not to pick up these calls, uh, especially if you see that it says spam or scammer, you don't know the number, let it go to voicemail. And then if you need to check the voicemail and then see what it really is, or use right. one of the robo call blocking services like RoboKiller, Nomo Robo, you know, that sort of thing that can help uh, screen these calls for you. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I've noticed that we've talked about this in the past uh, for a few months now. Um, I've noticed that my phone, uh, my service is now uh, 
screening calls better than it has before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got Verizon and they've been screening the much better than they have before. It's like, it'll pop up on my, on my screen, uh, possible spam. And it'll, uh, it'll, it'll tell you like, it'll give you a, uh, a, 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 like a ranking on how, how oh. much of how much of a spam it might be like what is right. the what's the possibility like if this is 60% possibility that it's a scam <laughs> or an 80% right. possibility i'm not going to pick it up anyway you know what i mean right. um right. but but and again you know to what you were talking about uh, we were talking about this and again this is this is really good news the fcc is getting in there and making these people you know try to stop uh doing this but these auto warranty calls you're talking about people get these calls uh who don't own that brand of car i have not owned a car in 20 years right. and I get calls like that because I just let it go to voicemail and I'll get calls like that on the voicemail where it's like, um, you know, your car, we, we found out that this car that you brought in to be checked out, blah, blah, blah. Like I brought a car in to be repaired to a dealership. Uh, it didn't work out. Call us back. I haven't owned a car in 20 years. That's called the shotgun approach. And, and, and people always ask me, how do they know I had a bank of America account or how do they know I had a Wells Fargo account or how do they know I had a Ford vehicle? They don't, they just shotgun. They just, they don't go to all the trouble. You know, there are some scammers who really know what to do. This is just a mass shotgun effect. And if you don't have a car like you, you hang up. And if you do have a Ford vehicle or a GM car or a bank of America account, maybe you'll listen and fall and enough people fall for it that they make enough money. They keep doing it. By the way, the the trend, and we'll talk about this in a future uh, episode, because I'm going to work on a story about this. But the shift now, because of the screening that's taking place uh, with robo calls, they're now going into robo texts, the scam texts. And people think that there's some screening or something or a text is more important. And just for the time being, let me just tell your listeners, you got to be every bit as skeptical as a text that comes in out of the blue from a number or a company you don't recognize as you do. I mean, my sister-in-law gets twice or three times or four times a day that her Amazon account has just been suspended. And there are people, I mean, she's a senior and it scares the heck out of them. And you just don't, Amazon does not send text messages like this. Your bank does not send text messages that just stop. Don't do it. They're trying to steal your money, but that's, that's, they just move. They're like roaches. You know, you you clean up this mess and the roaches just move to one other area. So we'll talk about that in the future, but please be skeptical and don't click links or respond to texts that come out of the blue like that. Yeah, and I always remind my parents that my parents are, you know, my dad's going to be uh, 81 next month and you know my up. mom is my mom is 78. And so they're, you know, they're they're older and, you know, not as tech savvy as, you know, you would expect yep. someone who's 81 years old. Although my dad's pretty slick right now. He's got yeah. the smartphone, he's getting educated about it, he works on the internet every once in a while. Um, but I often tell them do not answer calls, do not, you know, no texts, anything like that. Um, just make sure that ev- anything that you get that you think might be uh, is suspect, don't do anything with, and I can check it out. Just leave it for me. The next time I come over, I can look at it and see if oh. it's, you know, if it's, that's if it's a, something. That's really that good advice. Yeah. And I understand yeah. your dad has an amazing sense of humor. Is that true? He does. In fact, he'll be stopping by this very podcast a little bit later to tell a joke. I knew that. Okay. That was called a, <laughs> nice that was called a promo or whatever. That's a pro. It's a tease. You're a, you, you, yeah, yeah. You've been in the broadcast industry for a long time, Herb. Long. I know that. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, uh, since since this is a podcast, and I know that you do podcasts as well, um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I love the topic of, of 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 a podcast that you did recently called "Whatever Happened to Truth in Advertising?" I think I've been I think that's a sentence that I've been saying for about oh I don't know forty five years now. But right. when, but whatever happened to truth in advertising? Tell us about the podcast, where people can hear it, and and what you guys uh, talked about in that regard. Sure. 
This is uh, the Consumerpedia podcast that I host for Checkbook.org, and this is episode 20, the current episode that's up there, Whatever Happened to Truth in Advertising. And we spoke to the executive director of a group called Truth in Advertising, Tina, T-I-N-A.org. Mm. And they spend their time checking out ads. People file complaints with them. They file complaints with the Federal Trade Commission and, and tell them uh, that, you know, you should look into this. They uh, they shame uh, bad guys, uh, bad actors in the business. They have a wall of shame. Uh, and, um, you know, they have people in there like uh, Dr. Oz, uh, who, you know, marketed so many bogus products on his TV show. Yeah. And uh, they have uh, Mr. Mustache Tom Selleck on there with his uh, reverse mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. And they have uh, a whole bunch of people on that uh, wall. I'm going to actually, while we're talking... Uh, go in there and see some of the uh, the other characters oh um, mayim bialik you know from uh from, from jeopardy uh, and from uh, yeah and from that stupid uh, uh, uh <laughs> the big, big bang, bang theory. theory yeah right, yeah right. and you know she's she's a she is actually a neuroscientist or whatever i mean she she plays on that i mean she really is uh trained in that area mm -hmm. and uh but what she pitches is that um uh, the Prevagen, the stuff that's uh, supposed to make your uh, your brain smarter. You know, jellyfish right. are, are known for their uh, their uh, astute skills at their cognitive powers. <laughs> and the problem is that uh, that all the consumer advocacy groups have basically said that there's no real proof that this does anything. They're being sued by a number of enforcement agencies to stop the claims. You know, it takes forever for this to happen. But uh, you know, they're basically going like, you know, why uh, why uh, Mayim are you uh, doing this kind of thing? You know, don't you have enough basically kind of money? Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, anyway, uh, uh, any that's so that's what they do. So, you know, when I first what I pointed out on the podcast was when I first started in this business, um, there were basically the really bad guys, the scumbags. And then there were the, you know, the, the good businesses and the good guys and, you know, the major brands that we all knew and loved. And, and they did advertising tricks. I mean, which is, you know, advertising is supposed to sell you stuff. So they always, you know, did things in the best light and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But it, but it was they, they sort of, you know, stayed this side of the law where they were they were clearly it was still know, it was still on the up and up. Correct. Yeah. And then uh, then we got to a number of years ago where the good guys were walking up close as the line as they possibly could. And now we have a situation where the quote unquote good guys. So by that, I mean, real big name companies, brand name companies are actually walking over the line. And the, I, I assume what the logic is, is that, you know, they're going to walk over the line if they get caught from the FTC or the FCC or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or whatever the regulatory agencies or attorney general's office. In most cases, it's only a fine. There are no criminal penalties associated with this. They'll just get the slap on the wrist. They'll say we didn't realize it was a problem. Uh, it's a cost of doing business. And they move along with their life and say we'll never do it again. But look at all the people that they they screwed out of their money. And that happens more and more and more now where they're just making claims that either aren't supported, that are totally exaggerated, that are bogus in some way, shape or form. And if they get, you know, there's, as we've said, there's just not enough cops to sue all these guys. So, you know, it's a pretty low risk situation unless you're really totally flagrant about it. And even if you do, so you get you get fined a couple of million dollars. To, that's nothing to these big companies. Yeah. And believe it or not, they can actually write it off as a cost of doing business. I have said for years now, somebody needs to, the IRS or the Congress needs to pass a law that tells the IRS and changes the tax law that says if you are fined for a violation of federal law or whatever, or state regulations, you cannot write that off as a business expense because mm. it's not a penalty. You know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know if, if you just write it off as a business expense, you didn't really, it didn't really hurt you in any way, shape or form, you know, and, and again, if you do a company like Amazon, oh, you, you find them $10 million. Uh, huh? 
did they even feel that? You know, yeah. uh, it, it's just that's the problem. Though. These companies are so big, and the penalties that are out there don't mm-hmm. really, don't really, you know, uh, are, are not con- uh, equal to what the, the problem right. is with ripping off people. Right. So basically, you've the point was you've just got to really, really be careful. If the claim seems too good, just really question it. Realize that there are people lying to you. Um, as a subset of that, and I wrote a separate article, which is up there on Checkbook on my website, about uh, um, the whole idea of endorsements. And I don't know if you spend a lot of time on TikTok and Instagram and all that, because I certainly don't. I think it's an absolute waste of time. But I know that millions and millions and millions or billions probably are on these these platforms. Yeah, I'm and- uh, I, I do not spend. I think I think TikTok is just the stupidest thing ever to exist and i realize that millions and millions of people use it uh instagram i do use instagram uh not you know all the time but pretty regularly to promote things and that's what i use that's what i use facebook for to 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 connect with people to promote facebook is the one that i use the most yeah uh and twitter uh but tiktok i just think is an 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 unbelievably stupid waste of time Uh, but i know that millions of people use it yeah. And, you know, I like I use Facebook to share my stories with people, but I'm not catching up on everybody's life that way. And, yeah. you know, whatever. So the problem is that, they, you know, these these platforms have now influencers and an influencer can be anyone from somebody who's famous because they're famous, uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, or it can be a movie star or it can be a sports figure or it can be, you know, somebody who's got a niche that this, this you know, gal used to teach people, how, teaches people how to put makeup on and gets a huge following or some guy collects, collect, does collectibles and has a huge following so if they tell you something you trust them it means a lot you've, you've watched it's, them for years and years it's it's it, it i'm sorry herb to interrupt yeah, go ahead. the the whole the fact that this whole i'm an influencer thing exists uh depresses me on every possible level <laughs> um yeah. the fact that that's something now that people are like what do you do for a living i'm an influencer <laughs> um it just makes me nuts and i mean this piece that you that you wrote for checkbook which people can check out um, this is what we're, we're diving into now yeah. is that the, there are new advertising guidelines because of influencers. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, like people who put on makeup or people who do this, uh, you know, people who go on TikTok and do really stupid videos are now called influencers and they're like making millions of dollars a year yes. Yes. Uh, by doing some of the most idiotic brainless crap that you can possibly imagine on TikTok and on uh, on thing and now it's a legitimate thing it's like a, you mentioned kim kardashian but now we've got armies of kim kardashians yeah. called influencers millions of them taking up uh space in the world and online and it just makes me nuts. the whole influencer thing just the term is like nails on a chalkboard to me amen brother and we have kids now i mean not even in not even elementary school they open boxes of things like toys and <laughs> You know, they, they make over a million dollars a year because it's they have insane. so many followers. It's insane. It's insane. So what do you do? Uh, you're a toy company and you know this kid opens a box every week and uh, look, well, how about we supply you with some of our toys, <clears throat> you know, and or, or whatever. And, you know, you don't have to buy them. We'll give them to you for free. Well, if it's disclosed, that's OK, according to regulations. You know, uh, we we got this toy from Mattel. And, and, and you know, when I do news things, if I ever I used to do a, a, a new product segment and, you know, I would say, you know, the manufacturer, if we didn't buy it, the manufacturer supplied us with this product or, or something right. like that. Um, and uh, but, but these aren't news people. There's, there's no journalism of things, whatever. So what the the FTC is proposing, I mean, they're just really tired. They say of fake reviews and influencers who hide the fact that they were paid to post. And it's resulting and they call it deception. That was a word that they used uh, has people buying 
products paying more money for products and services and hurts honest competitors. So they're going to update their guidelines. It's called the endorsement guidelines. Uh, they were last updated like in 2009 or something like that. So, you know, back then there, we didn't even have a lot of this kind of stuff going on. Um, yeah. So what they're saying is that uh, when they say that there's a material connection that needs to be disclosed, that's what the guidelines say, a material connection. Well, there's they want to spell out in plain English so nobody has any excuses what a material connection is. And here are the bullet points that, that they made. First okay. of all, a material connection includes a business, family, or personal relationship to the product. You know, your mom and dad owns a company, your brother's a marketer for the co- whatever, something like that. Mm-hmm. Monetary payments, which is pretty obvious. Free or discounted products or services. And here's the key, even if they are unrelated to the endorsed product. So for instance, if you got a cooler to recommend a, as an influencer and got, uh, you know, 25 six packs of Budweiser beer as a payoff doesn't matter if it's Budweiser an unrelated product you got to say that you got to you got something to do this this endorsement so that expands that a little bit mm. and then any kind of other benefits if you got an early access to the product to review it that nobody else had that you have a chance to win a prize that somehow you were you know because people do all kind of uh, testimonials and whatever because yeah. I'll get a chance to win a prize or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey if you endorse this you'll get in our you'll be in our ads our next ads for this product any of that is a material connection that influences what you're saying and you have to disclose it then when the required disclosures do not explain the c- complete details of the relation uh, they, they don't say everything about this but they can must clearly communicate the nature of the connection in other words so you or i nick if we're watching this thing we get an idea you don't have to say my father worked for the company for 22 years but you have to say i'm reviewing this product and by the way my father is the chairman of the board of the product or something like that right uh, an endorser gets expanded to include these virtual influencers even computer generated avatars and fictional characters i didn't realize this but it's a growing trend there's all these things some of them are crazy characters and some of them look like human beings that have pages and followings and tell you about stuff and it's creepy yep yep (laughs) it is let me let me give you a a a quick uh recommendation herb and uh, there's this there is this show that streams on paramount plus okay used to be on cbs and now it crossed over a couple of seasons ago, and now it's on Paramount Plus. New episodes drop every Sunday. One of my favorite shows on television slash you know streaming services, uh-huh. and it's simply called Evil. Oh yeah, it, I know that show. Okay, okay. Yep. Uh, Evil is it's a supernatural uh, kind of weird show about these three people that go and investigate these what might be you know uh, uh, possessions or ghosts or evil. It's kind of like uh, the X Files for the uh, for the uh, the, the late two uh, thousands. Okay. Uh, except I think it's better. Um, but what one of the things that evil does that this show does on a weekly basis is destroys this kind of stuff that we're talking about. Like they go after it in almost every single episode. Oh, great. There, there is not a show on television that is taking on influencers and TikTokers and all of this, all of this stuff that is so important right now in, in you know in the world of social media and on the internet. And they, they take that stuff apart every week. It's satirical, it's funny, and it really brings to light just how full of crap so many of these influencers and so much of this crap that you see on TikTok and, and, and other you know, uh, uh, social media uh, places. Uh, but Evil is, is a terrific show. Not only is it scary and you know, all that kind of stuff. If you're not into the scary stuff, I can understand why nobody's watching it. But if you want to see a show that takes on the issues of what's happening in the world of the internet right now, online, social media, and all of that stuff. There is not a better show 
that take that confronts it satirically than evil right now. And it does it every week brilliantly. All right. Well, when I'm done watching Star Trek and I'm watching the new Star Trek episodes because <laughs> yes. that's what I am, a Star Trek guy. I got you. Uh, I will start. I was I was afraid evil will scare me, but I'll take a look. It, at it will. I, Herb, it will. I, okay. I, trust me on this. I mean, there's I'm, and, and, you know, and I recommend it to people who are not afraid of stuff that's going to scare you. Right. And because it's not on CBS anymore and it's on streaming service, there is right. no there's no you know FCC. So oh, right. yeah, okay. it gets a little gory and bloody and violent. Right. And there's, you know, so <laughs> it's not for everybody. It truly is a horror series at its heart, yeah. but it's fearless in yeah. vocalizing and taking on all of this crap that seems to just be insidiously, especially to young people who right. are on their phones all the time and doing the TikTok and doing all this other stuff, this show exposes it for what it is on a weekly basis. So if all you right, can get, I'll watch one. If you, I'll watch you, one before. I'll watch it in the <laughs> afternoon before we if talk. You can, if you can get past all the scary gore stuff right. and just get yeah. to the satire, right. I think you'd enjoy it, Herb, because it okay. says a lot about what we're talking about. Brilliant. I'll watch it with the windows open in the daytime, <laughs> and we'll talk about it next time. And the birds so. will be chirping, and you'll be oh, fine. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> By the way, just... Just a yeah. couple of more things that I think are significant, which I, I commend the FTC for doing this. Yeah, yeah. Is that they also say that if you're going to uh, make one of these disclosures, you got to make it clear and conspicuous and difficult to miss. For instance, um, if it's visual, it's got to stand out from all the other accompanying text and visual elements. You can't just bury it at the bottom. It's got to be same size, contrast, location, length of time, so you can read it and understand it. If in our world, in the broadcast world, we've always heard those disclosures. They speed it up digitally. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that can't be anymore. Uh, if it's an audio disclosure on a radio commercial or podcast, the disclosure should be delivered in the volume, speed, and cadence significant for ordinary consumers to easily hear and understand it. So that's really good. And the same thing on a radio show. And if it's a celebrity who has a material connection and they're on one of these talk shows, it's not enough just to put in the disclosure, you know, so-and-so was paid by so uh, you know American Airlines to uh, talk about these trips she took. Right. She's got to say, and by the way, American Airlines paid me or I took free trips on American Airlines to tell you about all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a link, if you put a link, if you're a blogger or a tag, by doing that, that's also considered an endorsement. So they've really covered a lot of bases on this thing. They've taken all the comments in. So now it's a process of if they want to make any modifications to the rules, they've got to publish the rules, and then they have a time frame for it to take place. So it may take a year until this is finally done. But it, it's really big progress in trying to get us into the, the current age where this, this as you said, this, this plague of uh, influencers has just taken over the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a hard job, man, because it just gets bigger every, uh, every week. It right. just it, it expands every week and gets more insidious every week. So these guys have a have a big job ahead of them and, and kudos to, to what they're doing and what they what they've accomplished so far. And I asked that uh, the executive director of Tina.org, I said, How, can you give us any tips, you know, on, on spotting these kind of things? And she said, yeah, you know, if you're if you're watching a, 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 a social influencer, you know, so somebody who you like all the time and like they're doing makeup and it's just some little gal or guy at their home and they talk about makeup or fashion or whatever. And yeah. all of a sudden they start to say, you know, I, I recommend to use this Max Factor 32 pancake makeup or, you know, I went out and bought all these mm-hmm. uh, Gucci jeans. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's like product references that maybe uh, you should start to wonder whether they're getting paid uh, from somebody to do this. And hopefully in the future, they're going to have to disclose that so you can. You know, just and then I spoke to a, you know, I'm a graduate of Proud Orange, a graduate of Syracuse University. Yes, sir. And, 
And I spoke to uh, an associate dean at the Newhouse School where I went, Regina Luttrell, and she said, you know, this is not just haphazard catches can anymore. This is like big business for these advertisers. I mean, she tells some of them, you know, you have to sit in front of the beach and have when you do this, when you're talking about this thing and you've got to look this way and you've got to do this kind of thing. I mean, it, they really you got to show this product and do this kind of thing. Right. It's really kind of it, it's not just happenstance. It's a it's big business. And uh, one other area, which is this, this is one of the things that really bugs me is when it's with children. Um, you know, there's a special concern about children and, and the influencers on children because they don't they just have no way of getting it even with with a disclosure. Right. And right. the uh, FTC is going to hold a big panel discussion, a public event, October 19, uh, in which they're going to ask for people to tell us what you think and experts, what kids can know, can't know how we can limit these influencers for children. Uh, I will obviously be uh, uh, virtually attending that event and it's going to be very interesting to see what they come up with. But that's a whole nother area that really has yeah. to be clamped down on. Yeah. Well, it's important. I'm glad they're doing something about it. It really yeah. is. It's uh, yeah. it's one of my pet peeves. Um, all right. Uh, here's you, you, you mentioned children. Look at this Segway, Segway, oh, Herb. We are pros. Oh. We are pros. Uh, this is, this is kind of a scary thing, but it's real. How do you protect your kids from identity theft? Kids are having their identities taken from them by the scammers. Uh, how, how can this be helped or stopped? Well, this is a problem that's been going on for years now. Uh, and it's going on because children now have to have social security numbers when they, before they leave the hospital in the old days, they didn't have to have that. And, uh, the latest statistics are that about 1.4 million children, 1.4 million, that's one in 50, were victims of identity theft fraud last year. That's according to a Javelin Strategy and Research, a really reputable uh, uh, research firm, costing nearly a billion dollars a year. So we're talking a lot of kids and a lot of money. The problem is, or the, the reason why these kids are so lucrative to, to, to the bad guys is that most kids don't have any kind of credit file at that point in time. Kids, you know, young kids don't have credit cards or sizable assets or yeah. all they have is a social security number. So the scam artists, if they steal the social security number, and as we've talked about before, there are so many stolen numbers on the dark web available for sale now with all the breaches that have gone on, you as an individual an adult and you as a parent need to assume your kids' numbers are out. Your numbers are out there and your kids' numbers are out there because we've been breached so many times. They're just floating around on the dark web. If you haven't been a victim yet, it's because there's so many out of there. They haven't gotten to you yet. That's really the bottom line. Mm. So they take the stolen social security number and they can do it for an adult. But again, it's kids is the benefit because they don't have any credit history uh, and they make what's called a synthetic identity. So what you do is you take that number. It's a clean, unused government approved credential, no bad credit on it. And you just change it around to what you want. So, you know, you put a different name, you put a different address, uh, and then you open a credit file with that. You know, you take out a credit card, you'll get, you'll get rejected, then you'll get a credit file that, that opens up. And then you can start using that credit file to do whatever you want to do. And all the information comes to you. Your victim never finds out about it because you change the address. Um, the only way they possibly could find out about it is if somehow somebody screwed up and sent something to them. Uh, we'll talk about the warning signs later. But in most cases, you can run for years and years and years until that kid is no longer a minor and needs to get a, their first apartment or get a loan for school or open up their first credit card. And then they find out that they're, you know, their, their credit has been totally screwed up by the bad guys and then takes them a, a long, long time to deal with. So if you can if you can build up and this is a long scam in most cases, um, you you open up the uh, a few charge accounts and you 
pay a little bit and you charge a little bit and you pay the money and then you get the credit limits extended. And then once you get to the point where you have a, a bunch of cards and a bunch of credit, you can then maximize the thing, buy a whole bunch of stuff online and then have it shipped to you and then resell it uh, on the dark web or on you know eBay or whatever on online somehow Craigslist and get and turn it into cash. And then you're done. And the, the, the kid's account is ruined forever. And it's just a terrible, terrible Jeez. thing that the, the parents need to be aware of. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's just horrible to have to start out your life as an adult with this hanging over your head. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there are two, two points I'd like to make is that there are some warning signs. It's not always, you know, foolproof, but if for some reason you have a minor child at home and this kid is getting, um, jury duty notices, if this kid's <laughs> getting uh, pre-approved offers for credit cards, right. um, traffic tickets, um, anything that a, that a uh, collection notices, collection phone calls, anything that a minor should not be getting, that is an absolute warning that your child is probably the victim of identity theft and you should mm. do something about it. And one of the best places to call or contact is the Identity Theft Resource Center. They are a nonprofit based in San Diego, started many, many years ago uh, by a husband and wife who were both victims of identity theft before it was a common word in our vernacular. Uh, totally nonprofit. You can talk to a trained counselor one-on-one. -on -one, so you can either find them by uh, online by going to idtheftcenter.org, idtheftcenter.org, or you can call them 888-455-5530, 888-455-30. I sent a friend of mine there who had identity theft. Somebody got there, an adult, they got the thing and started opening all kinds of accounts and stealing money out of their accounts. Mm -hmm. And they said the counselor was on the line for me like with, uh, for an hour and talked me through every single wow. thing I needed to do and what I needed wow. to do. That's These great. are just absolutely wonderful people, the Identity Theft Resource Center. So that's number one, look for those red flags. And number two, you and I have talked about this before with adults and every adult listening should do this. But if you have kids, if you're a parent, parent or guardian freeze their credit files that is the way to keep the bad guys from doing the scam that we just talked about by freezing the file you lock them out they can't get in and they can't do this stuff and then when your kids grow up to a point where they need to use uh, their credit they open the file they thaw the file and then they can start getting credit you need uh -huh. to go to each one of the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. You have to do it at each three because they, there are three separate credit files. Back in the past, you couldn't do this, and it was a real pain in the butt. But they realize now that there's a problem. They've made it possible. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to send them some documentation that proves that you're the parent or the guardian because you want that. You don't want some con artist pretend to be a parent or a guardian. You have to really prove who you are. Yeah. If you go to my website, uh, or checkbook.org, but the story is right on the homepage of my website, uh, consumerman.com. Identity theft, are you protecting your kids? I have links right there to the places you need to go at Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion to do this. It'll save you a lot of grief. Yeah. And then you can listen to the podcast, the Consumerpedia podcast, uh, Are You Protecting Your Kids, uh, where we talk all about the uh, with uh, Eva Velasquez, the CEO and president of the Identity Theft Resource yeah. Center. But you've got to do this. Don't wait. Don't wait till after it happens. Too many people try to deal with this when the horse is out of the barn. This yeah. is the only thing that keeps the horse in the barn. It locks the bad guys out from using your kid's social security yeah. number for this kind of theft. Please do it as soon as you possibly can. That's right. And they know no shame, man. They'll do anything. Uh, you know, stealing oh. stealing the identification of a kid, the ID of a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And the um, one really, the one really, really sad point here before I let you go is um, 
in a lot of cases, unfortunately, like a huge amount of cases, it's being done by the parent or guardian, somebody who's got a lot of uh, money problems and they think they're at the end of the line and they've got nothing else to do. So uh, no other way to go. So they open up a credit account in their kid's name and start charging up the bills on a credit card or something. And the experts all say, please try to find some other way of doing this because what you're really doing is you're just destroying your child's future and they'll get stuck with a, a bad credit score, a bad right. credit, and you'll just be... You know, but that's something I, I really can't deal with, except if anybody's listening and you're thinking about doing something like that, try to find another way to pay the bills. Because if you do that kind of thing, um, you're just going to screw your kid when they grow up. And by the way, if you do this, and I hope everybody listening does this for themselves and for their kids, make sure somebody trusted. If you have somebody noted in your will or somebody who you know is going to take care of your kids, if anything happens to you, God forbid, before they turn 18, make sure they have the passwords and pins so they know how to get into these accounts when they need it. Uh, that's very important to, to make a note somewhere so that somebody can find this stuff if anything happens to you when it's time for your kid to unthaw the account. Okay. Uh, all right, Herb, you, you mentioned that uh, the Nick D podcast uh, subscribers and listeners, uh, there's a special thing that, uh, that uh, you guys are doing uh, for checkbook.org. Yes. Sure. Uh, we're going to give you a, th a free 30-day trial subscription to our website, checkbook.org. And uh, this will allow you, uh, all the articles we have on there are free to anybody, but the ratings are subscriber only. And again, they're in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C. If you listen, if you live in any one of those cities and listen to the Nick D podcast, just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, and you can get a 30-day free trial subscription to check out some of the ratings uh, on our site. We're hoping you want to join and help help us uh, fund this thing, but there's no obligation, and uh, you'll be able to take a look at We have everything on there, Nick, from doctors and vets and plumbers and electricians and kennels and orthodontists and uh, contractors and you name it we have it on there and mm. these are legitimate ratings by people who live in those markets they actually do ratings for us and then we have secret shoppers who go through and do price studies check out things on uh, the, the different uh, you know consumer organizations that rate people and stuff and and they're rated on both quality of work and they're rated on price right. and uh, they're, they're listed in the different areas so it's a really great resource checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. We'd love to have you take a look at what we're doing and hope you find it helpful. We appreciate that very much. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. We didn't have time to get to the uh, article about uh, the credit bureaus have to change the way they report medical debt, but that article again is available uh, at checkbook.org and people should just check it out uh, there too. If they want to hear about uh, the, the, how the medical debt is being reported. And it's positive. It's a positive story. It's going to help millions and millions of Americans. Cool. Make sure you check that out too. And again, Herb, always a pleasure. My friend, uh, consumerman.com. People can check out uh, that uh, website, follow you all over the internet and everything. Uh, are, are you doing any dancing on TikTok, Herb? <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Oh, you're not. Okay. No, but I will watch evil and we'll talk about Please. it. Next yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, I mean, we're three, we're three seasons deep, so there's a lot to catch up on her, but right. Um, if you were to just like kind of look at some of the, the, the synopses of the episodes, many of them include, uh, you know, like in this episode, they take on a TikTok variant or they take on right. this influencer. It's right. a it's a really sharp, really smart show. It's also scary as hell. Uh, I like but, the actor with the glasses, the guy that was on Lost and on uh, Person yeah. of Interest. I he's, think the that guy, he's, cool, yeah. he, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he plays the bad guy. So anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast if you want to take advantage of that, uh, of all those ratings that you uh, ha you have and uh, and herb we will talk to you next month uh it, you, you mentioned something you were working on anything else you're working on that we'll talk about next month 
yeah, we're working on something about digital only coupons at the supermarket that are affecting a lot of people who can't take advantage of the savings because they're not digitally literate enough to do it. And uh, working on that right now, we'll talk about that next time. Okay, great. And we'll figure out exactly when we're going to talk, Herb, because I know the next time it falls right on the uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, oh, the next time I don't talk. take holidays. I don't have a life. But I'll All right, you. my friend. There you go. All right, buddy. All right, Herb. Thanks, thank thanks. you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you go. Herb Weisbaum, who is the consumer man. Now, if you like consumer, you want to, you, you, you feel good about being saved that money and, and getting advice on how to help yourself in your situation. Well, now, if you got a car and you have car questions, they're all going to be answered because coming up right now from Consumer Guide Automotive, the one, the only, Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about car stuff. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car. The sultan of Yeah. It always sounds like we're ready to rock and roll. Tom is here. Uh, For the People continues with a visit from our good friend Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, all-around good guy and automobile and car expert, Mr. Tom Appel. Tom, how are you, sir? I am good. I'm good. Thank you. All right. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, i got lots to talk about in the world of uh, automotive things. Well, first and foremost, of course, as we always do, start us off by telling us everything we ought to know about Consumer Guide Automotive. Yeah, just go to ConsumerGuide.com. You can find everything. Uh, we're very proud of our podcast that we started a couple of years ago. That's the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. You'll want to check that out. Uh, we drop a new episode every Friday. And uh, and then so and, and a lot of the stuff like uh, the the driving tests that you do, the reviews of cars, all of that stuff. How often is that updated? How often do you guys update that? On, on uh, we have a new blog post every single day, and then our reviews that live at consumerguide.com, not the blog, those are updated constantly. All right, very cool. So everything you need to know about cars, car related issues, test drives, any kind of really cool stuff that you decide to do on the blog, you can basically just go to consumerguide.com. And it's all there linked up very, uh, very well. So how you been, Tom? I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I've been avoiding heat, which has been pretty easy this summer. It's, I guess it's not going to be real easy this next week, though. No, no. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be uh, pretty crazy hot starting, I guess, uh, tomorrow, is, is from what I understand. It gets, uh, it's going to be pretty crazy hot for a few days. But, uh, you know, I've got this thing that I do um, every year called the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. Uh-huh. And I will be inside a um, the Hyatt Regency O'Hare with recycled air conditioning all weekend long. <laughs> so I'll be out of it uh, because this convention, this horror convention, I'm one of the hosts and I do the Q&As and I do introductions. And I am inside a hotel, whether it be my – because the first thing I do whenever I check into a hotel, Tom – I immediately turn the air conditioning down to about 40 degrees in my room. That's what I do. That's, yeah. that's the first thing I do. <laughs> exactly, man. And so in between a 40-degree room and all the ballrooms and all the places in the hotel that I'll be running around, I will not see the heat at least for three days. So that'll be nice. I'll be out of that for, for three days. But it should be pretty, should be, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty hot. And, well, it's Chicago. It's August. That's what happens. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Uh, well, let's let's jump into some of the some of the stuff we're going to talk about. You've got some topics that we're going to get to. We actually have. Uh, uh, I, I actually am going to go back to that list of embarrassing and dumb questions that you should not ask anybody about cars. <laughs> and I figure, you know, I can get away with it because I'm dumb. And we will talk about star spotting. We'll do that yeah. a little bit too. 
Uh, but first, as we always do, you, as we mentioned before, at Consumer Guide, everybody over at Consumer Guide Automotive, you test drive cars. What have you been driving lately? And tell us all about it. I just drove a crazy car that I'm probably too old for. And that is the, <laughs> and I'm cranky about it because I should love this car. Uh, this is the 2022 Audi RS3. So that is Audi's smallest sedan, the A3 sedan in RS trim which means it's packed full of 400 horsepower engine, a lowered suspension, really firm uh, riding. It, it, it is quick, it is fast, it is fun to drive, uh, but it is cramped and really unpleasant to commute in. Mm. And I'm just an old commuter and, and this is not my car. But if you are a young executive with a lot of money, I recommend this car heartily. <laughs> uh, how does it, so that's interesting that you bring that up because you know, uh, you and I, Tom, are the same age. Yeah, and uh, and there have been moments in the past bunch of years now where I go, man, I'm old. I mean, like for instance, <laughs> I will give you a perfect example. Just this past weekend, Tom Lollapalooza, you couldn't pay me to go to Lollapalooza. Yeah, you couldn't. I would rather eat broken glass. But you know, back in the tw- <laughs> back in the t- back when I was in my twenties, oh, maybe that would that would be kind of fun. But now I look at it and I'm grumpy and I'm old and I'm like, get off my lawn, punks. Yeah, I'm still remembering my, my forays to Taste of Chicago, and, and now I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. It was just a lot of people with bare shoulders rubbing sweat against each other. It was, I can't deal with that, man. I no. can't. You know, I went to a Tears for Fears concert a few weeks ago. Um, it was the first concert I've gone to in many, a big concert like that I've gone to in many years. First time I was at that place, whatever they call it now in Tinley Park, the Casino Village or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, and it was a perfectly lovely evening. It wasn't, it was, it, you know, I mean, there were a lot of people out there, but it wasn't like wall-to-wall maniacs, sweat everywhere. And I didn't have to be there for four days straight in 20 different stages. And I also, you know, it wasn't 150 degrees outside surrounded by idiots paying $15 for a bottle of water. That All of those things, you know, added up to a pleasant time for an old guy like me. So, but... Now, how often does that kind of creep into your car reviews? Like, you're like, ah, oh, gee. So how, how, um, how long did it take you to realize that, uh, yeah, I'm too old for this car? How oh, almost you- immediately. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a little bit cramped. And I have to appreciate that. And it's not fair to people who are considering a car like that. Of course. That my, yeah. my grumpiness drip into it. And, and when I was of that age, I would have loved this car. It's right. a blast to drive. But now I, I try to listen to podcasts on my commute, and it's the whole, the whole driving excitement thing doesn't really exist five days a week for me. I gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. Well, have you drive? Have you driven a, a car that's a little bit more conservative, uh, you know, and a little bit more practical lately? Yes, actually, the all new um, Kia Tucson Hybrid. Um, once upon a time, Hyundai and Kia, which are related companies. They didn't really do uh, hybrids especially well, but that has changed. And the new Tucson Hybrid, this car was really nicely equipped, really nice interior for about thirty-three grand, and the hybrid drivetrain is spot on. I got about 33 miles per gallon, which is not outstanding for a hybrid, but it's very good. Uh, but the hybrid is actually the better vehicle. It, it, it's a little quicker. Um, it, it hums along a little bit better. Very impressive car. Heck of a deal at 33K. Wow, 33K. That's... that's uh... Nowadays, that's a bargain, right? Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible bargain these days. Jeez, okay, cool. Anybody else driving stuff around the office that they were talking about that they liked or, or that, that they found interesting? Uh, we just got the new Lexus LX600 in. This replaces the very old, very dated Lexus LX570. This is Lexus's largest crossover at the moment. Actually, it's an SUV. It's an old school 
body-on-frame truck. Nice vehicle, nicely uh, nicely put together inside. Feels a little clumsy because of its uh, old-school architecture, but we'll see where we go with this review. It's it's nice. It's less expensive than something like an Escalade, uh, but it, the price is up. It's not the value it once was. I see. Well, what is? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, great yeah. point. <laughs> At this point. Uh, uh, gas, the gas uh, situation, uh, uh, it still fluctuates. Um, you know, the gas prices are fluctuating up and down and things like that. What, what, what's, the, what's the buzz happening in the world of, uh, of, the, uh, of automotive in that regard? I believe we are on our sixth consecutive week of decline in price, according to AAA. Uh, but they've got some questions about whether that's going to continue. Uh, but right now we're down about 50 cents, I think, from the highs, 50, 60 cents. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's good news. A little bit of good news there for us. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you talk about you guys are test driving a Lexus. Uh, is Lexus still sort of like the, you know, the premier car? You know, because every time you hear Lexus, you're like, ooh, that guy's got money. Or this is like the, you know, this is the hotshot car. Uh, is that still the case with Lexus? Does it still have that, that reputation? I don't know. Lexus early on, and that's a great point, and, and, and clearly you remember the dawn of Lexus back in 1990, yeah. uh, where it was this alternative and this really attractive price alternative to BMW and Mercedes products. Um, they're still cheaper than those products, but I think that they've the brand has matured to be like a smart play, a smart luxury play. It, they do very well in quality. They do very well in resale value. Uh, the interiors are always very nice, very tidy. Uh, build craftsmanship is very high. They're not as exciting generally as Mercedes or BMW products. And now there's Genesis, mm. which is Hyundai's luxury brand that seems to be playing the role that Lexus once did as sort of this alternative avant-garde luxury uh, situation. So I would say that Lexus more of a smart play i think than than anything else okay all right over the years you know in covering you know the car world as you have been for so many years what car <clears throat> uh, uh brands and what types of cars have started out maybe as like you know luxury high class vehicles and kind of dropped in 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 that reputation over years are there any are there any cars that you can think of that, that have done that over the years if you want to track a brand for a very long time there's chrysler um, because in the 50s and 60s, Chrysler used to sell the Imperial, which was a Cadillac-level product. And sometimes Imperial was a brand, and sometimes it was a Chrysler product, but it was always closely associated with Chrysler. And, and over the years, they started to sell increasingly more affordable things as they lost their prestige image. And, and now Chrysler is down to one minivan and one large sedan, and I don't think anyone really makes a luxury attachment to that brand anymore. Mm, okay. All right. Interesting how those things change. You, you, uh-huh. uh, how, you know, how much, how, how fun is it to see car trends change? And I know you guys, obviously, you write about that. You keep an eye on it, obviously. Are, are there stories in the, in, you know, of, of that sort of car trending, uh, big stories that, that, that you remember, most memorable ones of, of, of the changing cars? Yeah. You know, we were talking about Chrysler. It was 15 years ago or so, they launched a product called the Pacifica that has nothing to the, to do with the minivan we drive now. And they tried really hard to punch that up to a higher um, a higher price class, and people would not buy it. And at mm. the time, a $45,000 Chrysler was an absurdity to most people, and it was kind of sad to see it fail. Uh, but ultimately, the brand could not reestablish itself as a luxury brand. Mm. 
Okay, interesting. Wow, the world of Chrysler. We keep going back to Chrysler. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as you know, uh, Tom, uh, it's interesting because, like, you're one of my favorite guests uh, uh, always. It's always very fun, entertaining, and very informative to talk about, to talk with you every time. I always have a great time. And yet I haven't driven in 20 years. Uh, and I, haven't, I haven't owned a car, and yet you're one of my favorite guests. And, I, and I, I think that has everything to do with you and how great and interesting a guest you are. Um, but well, thank as, you. As someone who doesn't drive, I, I, I feel that I am the conduit for people who, who are too frightened to ask really stupid questions. <laughs> you, know? So, you know, there's people out there, and I think I can get away with it. I haven't driven in 20 years. What the hell do I know? I can ask stupid questions. So... I do have a few stupid questions that are too stupid to ask if you are actually a, a car owner or driver, okay? All right. All right. And these are, these are real questions. I'm looking at a website that has dumb questions for car, uh, for car people. And here's this one. And I actually, this is how stupid this question is. I know the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> and some people wonder, and this was an actual question, why do signal lights blink faster sometimes so when you click on your signal why does it blink faster sometimes um if we're talking about faster than it used to or faster than other cars one of the primary reasons is if your flasher unit and that's actually a thing in your car breaks and you replace it with some other brand it doesn't know how fast the brand you replaced it with was oh okay yeah, when I worked at a gas station, we just sold one brand of flasher unit. We'd replace those, and yeah, they were always much faster than the uh, the original equipment unit. So if you turned left, it was one speed, and if you turned right, it was another. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Now, the answer that I thought to this question was that your, your blinker's burnt out, your bulb is burnt out. Well, that can happen, too. Yeah, that's, that, was the, that seems to be, because my father's got a car that does that like when if he if 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 he hits the you know if he hits the the blinker in the in the car and it and it goes faster he's like oh man my my bulb is burnt out and then sure enough he'll hit the clicker and i'll go out and look at the back and i'm like nope it's not going so yeah i i my my first thought was that the the bulb is burnt out yeah that's a thing too yeah that's actually a notification to the driver um but yeah, I'm always amused by just different speeds left and right. That's cr- that's so crazy. <laughs> and it's got to be a little off-putting, like, after you get that replaced to suddenly go, why am I? Do, 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 at the gas station that you worked at, the service station that you worked at, Tom, would people bring it back and go, why is this thing? No. No, no they would never. <laughs> it never happened. It, it was funny because we just sold one generic line of stuff. So sometimes headlight bulbs had a slightly different light on one side than the other. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> they used to be the yellow lamps. They used to call them ambers. Uh-huh. And the amber was a different color. So, yeah, as your car aged, it just became sort of a Christmas tree of different colors. <laughs> and sounds. I mean, it yeah, was like, and yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> It's like all different types of speeds of clicking and blinking and lights and all kinds of yeah. You were a dri- you were a, you were a, you were you were driving a holiday decoration down the uh, down the Eisenhower. That's basically what you were doing. Exactly. That is hilarious. Okay, uh, one more dumb question, and we'll get to some of you some of the topics that you uh, sent us. Here's here is the next question. What's the difference between over and understeer? What's the difference between over and understeer? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know why a lot of people would know that one. Oversteer is, um, these are both handling characteristics of a car. Mm-hmm. And cars can be can trend towards oversteer, understeer, or neutral. Neutral is a very highly desired um, uh, characteristic of, of a car. But oversteer is a tendency of a car 
to do just that, which means that as you're turning, the back end would come out or you'd be turning faster or more than you anticipate doing. And that's generally a characteristic of high-performance rear-wheel drive cars. But if you drove like an old like Buick Electra back in the 80s, we had a big engine up front and the car was long and the drive wheels were in back and you were on snow. Oversteer was just a thing you dealt with every time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what what happens? Because what was the issue that people would have where, where like, I mean, maybe not, not if you'd run out of power steering fluid, because that doesn't happen anymore, right? You know, the power steering, you don't, you don't, is power steering fluid still a thing? Not really. Most Most power steering systems are purely electric now. Because I remember when I would run low on my power steering fluid, I would have to be Lou Ferrigno to turn to, you know, to, <laughs> to, to parallel park. It would, it, it would be like, you know, like, like a night in the gym. You know what I mean? Like when you had no power, power steering fluid, you run a power yeah. steering fluid. But what about like when, uh, when your steering is all, like I, I've had cars because I've had, you know, I've driven cars into the ground, Tom, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, and especially uh, my Firebird, my 77 Firebird, which just was spent more time in the garage than it did, you know, at my house. Um, but every once in a while, there would be cars that would th- that steering would be off, like the maybe the alignment was off and your steering wheel would be, you know, like when when you were in the the straight position, your steering p- wheel wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like you like you're. Oh, yeah. So what, how does that happen? And, and does that happen anymore? And, and tell me a little bit about what 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 caused that back in the day? Yeah, two things cause that. One of them is actually the steering wheel isn't mounted straight. It can be that simple. But typically, um, when that happens, and it seems to happen less these days than it used to, your alignment is off, which means that the car isn't tracking straight. So you would have to you would have to counter that if you wanted right. to move straight right. by cranking the wheel a little bit right or a little bit rough to, uh, to compensate. The reason why you want to get that fixed is it's terrible on your front tires. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that explains a lot because I had yeah. that <laughs> I had that issue to, to the overcompensating of the alignment. I would have to, you know, my, my, my steering wheel will be three quarters of the way to the left when it should be straight. <laughs> That's not good. No. Yeah. I was, I was wondering why. You remember those? Do they still have those? I, I still I see them every once in a while, but I used to frequent those um, storefront tire stores, like on Fullerton or anywhere, you know, where you would just pull up and they would have tires in the storefront and then come yeah. out and fix your car for like 20 bucks or something or change your tire for 20 bucks and then those tires would last about three weeks you know do do, do they still have those those sort of renegade storefront tire places you know i don't know i remember driving down lake when i used to work in oak park uh and, and there were storefronts like that yeah um and i don't see them anymore and i think that it's a liability issue too yeah used tires are not a popular item yeah anymore. Yeah, I, but they used to be a big thing back when, you know, like back in the 80s mm-hmm. and stuff, when I was driving in the 80s and in the early 90s uh, up until that time. Yeah, you could find a bunch of storefronts with used tires and just like, uh, you know, like I, I blew, I remember um, blowing a tire on um, on the Kennedy and getting off at Fullerton and Fullerton and Western, just drive the thing up and they, <laughs> they replaced it with a, with a used tire and then off I went. <laughs> yeah, and big tire chains aren't fun anymore. They're not like that. They won't sell you one tire generally because it's not as safe as replacing both tires. And because of things like analog brakes and anti-skid systems, the diameter of the tire should be the same on all four wheels. Yeah. So you'll find fewer and fewer places that are willing to sell you just one tire and certainly not a used tire. Yeah, okay. All right. Boy, oh, boy, I'm old. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, got some stuff that you were talking about that you guys uh, have put into uh, – 
at Consumer Guide. But before we do that, there's this, the, the federal spending bill extended. Um, and you wanted to talk a little bit about that. I think people will be interested in that. The EV tax credits. Tell me a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah. So for a long time, there was a $7,500 tax credit for plug-in hybrid and hybrid vehicles with a battery of a certain size. And uh, as people may know, Tesla burned through that tax credit first because it was limited to 200,000 sold vehicles. Uh, so Tesla burned through it, then General Motors did, and now Toyota has. Uh, and Nissan and Ford will soon. Well, it turns out in the, in the current spending bill, they have actually approved an extension of it, but it's filled with asterisks, so it's not going to be quite the same as before. Um, so there are limitations, and limitations aren't fully, I think, baked, but this is what we know. Uh, it's still a $7,500 tax credit, so that's good, but it's only good for vehicles assembled in the United States, and later on, it's going to require that the battery was assembled in the United States. It's limited to trucks and SUVs that cost $80,000 or cars that cost $55,000, and additionally, at some point, manufacturers are going to have to prove that the... the um, raw materials, the chemicals used in the battery, were uh, sourced in the U.S. So there's a lot of little fine print on this, and it's not going to help a lot of foreign manufacturers. And right now, popular uh, in, popular EVs include the Kia EV6 and the Hyundai Ioniq 5. They will not qualify because they're not assembled in the U.S. Oh, wow. Oh, so the car has to be assembled in the U.S. to take advantage of this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how do people find out about this? I mean, obviously, if you're a car owner... Um, how are people being contacted? How are they finding out about it? How can they take advantage of this? I think this is going to be applied the same way as before. So you need to make sure when you purchase a car that it qualifies, and then it really becomes your accountant's problem at tax time. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And, uh, and, and uh, they're, extending it for, they're, they're extending the tax credits. Is there a time limit on how long you, know, you can take advantage of this? or? I don't know. Those details are still filtering down, but I think this may be for a very long time because a lot of money was approved for this. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about Mustangs, shall we? Um, yeah. Uh, I guess there's a new Mustang that's popping up in the world, and I want to talk about that. But what are, what are your thoughts in, in just in general, Tom? Mustangs, I think, are my favorite car of all time. Um, like I, 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 yeah, I think that the, like, let's say like a 68 cherry Mustang convertible might be, I think the coolest car ever. And I've always, always, always liked Mustangs. I still, I even like them now. I still think they look badass. Now, you know, as you know, Tom, we've talked about this before where so many cool looking cars completely change and they don't look nearly as cool or feel nearly as cool as they used to. But, yeah. I, but even with all the changes, I still think the must, the Mustang's a badass car. Would you agree? Yeah, no, the Mustang looks great. It's it's a perennial consumer guide best buy uh, just because it's an awful lot of money. I'm sorry, an awful lot of fun for the money. But, yeah, it, I mean, it, first of all, it was an incredibly important car historically because it was the first ever quote-unquote pony car. Um, and, it, you know, it was launched in 64. It was the brainchild of Lee Iacocca. And it was based on very affordable parts from the Ford Falcon. So it was this mass hit for Ford where they realized they can sell a small, sporty car. And the first ones weren't that sporty. They were just good looking. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just such an amazing hit. And we're going on to the eighth generation of the Mustang now. Uh, and the good news for people who are sick of change is that the new Mustang, uh, at least initially, will not be electric. A V8 engine will return, and it should be very much like the old Mustang, just updated. So if you're tired of change. <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. is, yeah. That sounds and like we'll a car. See it. 
Sounds we'll like see it in September at the uh, Detroit Auto Show. Oh, in the Detroit Auto Show, it's going to debut. I'm looking at this. You sent me a, a link to the Motor Trend story about the next generation of Ford Mustang coming sooner uh-huh. than you think. Now, is that the, the picture that's accompanying it? Is that the actual vehicle? Is that what? It, is that it? It's supposed to be, yeah. That's a yeah. mule that's running around, and that probably is it. Um, that mule looks really bad, so they must be doing something on the front end, checking out cooling or something like that, because I'm sure that's not the final shape. Yeah, okay. All right, well, uh, that, well, that would be good news. Are there still people out there? Are, 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 are Mustangs still an incredibly popular car? Are the numbers good for Mustangs? Not great, no. Um, the Mustang, the Challenger, uh, the Dodge Challenger, and the Chevy Camaro have all seen steep, steep declines this decade and last decade in sales. The Mustang sells the best. It's the most practical and probably the one that people should be considering. Uh, the Camaro, as far as we know, goes away after 2025, and the Challenger, I think, goes away after next year to be replaced by an electric vehicle. Wow. So those those badass sort of you know, sports vehicles that everybody thought were cool, they're all going by the wayside. What, what would, what would, uh, what would uh, the Bandit drive now? What, what, what do you think the Bandit would drive? I don't know. I don't know. I, I wrote a story once about what I thought Rockford would drive when there was some talk of re, reviving the uh, Rockford Files series that never happened. Yeah. And I couldn't find a really good answer for that question. Yeah. Now, well, the Rockford car is one of the best. We've talked about this before. The, 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 the Rockford car, what year was that and, uh, and model? That was a, that was a, that was a, uh, a Firebird, correct? Yeah. Uh, early on, it was a 1974 Firebird, and later on, it was a 77 Firebird. And the legend of that car is awesome because it looks like a base car, really an Esprit, which was sort of a, a lower trim level. But it was really a full-on formula stuffed full of Trans Am engine made to look like that car at, at uh, James Garner Insistence. So, is that right? Yeah, they never quite <laughs> dealt with that on the show. But the reason that that car could, could haul ass like it did was because it wasn't the base Firebird, though it looked like it. <laughs> uh, so it was like, I really like the way this car looks, but it has to run better. Yes. Is essentially what it came down to. Yeah, uh, for people and there are like, almost none of them left. They they tore them up on the show. Is that right? Yeah, there's a couple uh, out there that are claimed to be Rockford, uh, Rockford Firebirds, and they auction for a lot of money. I, 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 have I talked to you about the uh, one of my favorite movie cars of all time? I think we've mentioned it. Is this in the horror film Phantasm? Have you ever seen the movie Phantasm? Oh man, not since high school. Okay, do you remember the car in Phantasm? No, it's like a black '74 Cuda. Oh, okay. And it's total badass, that car. And I'm friends with the director now, the writer-director of the movie, which is odd for me. As If you would have told 14-year-old Nick that he knew Don Coscarelli, uh, <laughs> it would be very weird. But I guess they had four cars for the series because there's five films in the series, and there's like a Cuda in each one of them. Nice. I guess they had four or five cars. One of them went missing. <laughs> <laughs> which is just so odd, but that's 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 kind of a common story, right, Tom? We've talked about classic entertainment vehicles and movies and TV, and some of them just go away. People don't know where the hell they go. Yeah, and at the time, people didn't think these things would be collectible, so they didn't really ascribe much value to them. And apparently on the set of the Rockford Files, it was not uncommon to give a beat-up car to someone who worked on the set. Right. <laughs> And it continued to be beat up because that guy just needed a daily driver. That's hilarious. That's that's so great. Yeah, take this thing. Go ahead. Famous car. That's amazing. But, yeah, no, I mean, this Cuda, by the way, if you go back and watch Phantasm, the movie came out in 1979, but it was shot, like, in, uh, you know, between it – sh- it was shot for two years, so it was between 76 and 78 that it was shot. Uh-huh. And this Cuda is badass. It's just a 
it's really you'll see it and just go ah like it's one of those it's that cool it's it's that cool a car um hey where did the where did the term pony car come from and what's the best way to describe it you mentioned pony car to describe the mustang um do we yeah that's a great question where where does pony car come from i'm not sure when the turn the term started to be used but it was an alternative to uh the muscle car so the muscle car and when you think muscle car think original pontiac gto and that's sort of your first one or oldsmobile four cutlass 442 those were muscle cars and they were essentially mid-sized cars stuffed full of full-size car engine and then they had the suspension and sometimes the brakes beefed up those were muscle cars but they were designed to go fast in a line pony cars were smaller cars and specifically built for that purpose um, that were supposed to be subordinate to the larger cars but actually were better handling and that was your camaros your firebirds your barracudas um and and things like that uh on the mustang do they do is that i mean obviously the you know motor trend in that article that you uh that you just shared here uh they refer to it as a pony car is that still a, a, a common term in the in the in the automotive world it is but there's so few vehicles left that are really pony cars you still have the camaro but that's going away you have the yeah. mustang and then the dodge challenger is really the yeah. current generation is really big so it's it's a pony car in spirit perhaps but it's right. not really one Again, we're getting all, we, you know, there's a lot of stuff popping up here, Tom, that's making us old. Yes. <laughs> this is the old man uh, segment, apparently. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Consumer Guide Automotive has a wonderful blog. Um, and uh, who, who writes for the blog? I know you contribute to it. Does everybody at Consumer Guide Automotive uh, contribute to the blog? Yeah, sometimes Damon Bell or our guy John Beale will contribute. And every now and then our publisher emeritus, Frank Piler, will give us something, too. Okay, cool. And what inspires you? Tell us again. You, you guys have like a whole bunch of great old magazines and ads and all kinds of really cool stuff and, 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 and uh, collections of other things uh, in and around the office that inspire you to do see some of these cool things on the blog. Yeah, I'm always looking for something that someone else isn't going to cover. Unfortunately, though, the whole blog world is, is SEO driven and you're always fighting with other people for traffic. Yeah. And, and I, I have weird tastes and stuff and often things that I find interesting, other people aren't ready to buy. So it's, that kind of gives us a clear path to consumers and to traffic. And it's fun. And that's my excuse for writing this stuff. Well, let's get into some of this stuff that's got a little bit weird and fun, which uh, is always the way I describe you, Tom, weird and fun. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you like to do forgotten concepts. That's kind of a, 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 a regular thing uh, yeah. in the blog. And, uh, and, and going back and looking at cars, it's like, my God, how did anybody think that this was going to work? Or wait a minute, that was cool. Why didn't it work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you've got the Great Wall Futurist. So this is a, this is a, a, a couple of Chinese cars. Describe them, if you, if you will. Yeah, I recently wrote about two different Chinese cars, one that I find to be really cool and one that is tragically awful. Um, and, and we'll talk about the good one, I guess. The, the, the Great Wall Futurist was first seen at the Beijing Auto Show in 2020, mm -hmm. and it was designed by an ex-designer for Range Rover, Land Rover Range Rover. So the Chinese are starting to hire, you know, Western... Um, Western designers to come and build their cars. But I love this car and I love it for a bunch of reasons. One, it is like 50s kitchen appliance teal. Yeah, which is, it is. Which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. But what I really like about it are the crazy stubby proportions. Um, 
it, it, it's a very compact sedan, very upright, and it looks like something that might have been driving around, perhaps in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And, and but I love this thing. I love the grill. I love the detail. Everything about it. It's very simple. It's very elegant. It's stubby but still streamlined. And and I think that it's a shame that one. Great Wall decided not to build anything based on this car, and that this car was never seen in the United States on the uh, auto show circuit. It's very cool looking. I gotta say, I'm looking at it right now, and and you're right. I love the old sort of uh, uh, feel, like as you said, sort of the uh, the, the kitchen, uh, uh, it, it, you know, feel that it has and the color. Um, and I love the grill as well. And the front of the car is really great. Now, here's the question I have: Are there handles on the doors? Because I'm looking at no. it. it it looks like, how the hell do you get in the car if you can't? I mean, is it a four-door or a two-door? I can't tell just by looking. <laughs> they don't make two-doors anymore, do they? Not really. No, no okay. market for that. Um, the fact that there aren't door handles is your first clue that this is a concept car. Yeah. Uh, they, just didn't have to, they just decided not to deal with them. <laughs> well, what do you press the button and it opens automatically? Is that how it works? I don't know in this case. Wow. That is often the case, but in this case, it may not have been developed that far. It just looks so, it, it looks insane. Like, how do you, what do you, how the hell do you get in the car? Do you climb through the window? You know, but it's a, it's a very, very, very cool looking car, and it's called the Futurist from, uh, from Great Wall. Yep. Uh, but yeah, and it's basically, uh, it's electric as well. Yeah, and everything that, that you're going to see at a Chinese auto show these days will be electric. That's just okay. where they're going, and they're going there faster than us. Well, I think it's. I think it looks. I think it's pretty cool. I just. I, I'm just. You know, my first thought was, how the hell do you get in and out? Of, of <laughs> Good questions. Car. Yeah, those are. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a reasonable question. How do we get into this car? <laughs> I don't think that's outrageous, uh, but it, it certainly looks pretty cool. All right, and uh, and the second one that you know that one was was kind of an interesting concept, kind of a cool concept. And the other one was disastrous. Talk, tell me about that. Yeah, this is actually a production vehicle, and it's technically criminal. Uh, but no one's going to do anything about this. Um, Sorry, that just kills me. It's technically it's criminal. All right, it's an offense. All right. Uh, this vehicle is called the SS Dolphin, and it's it's was designed and built, and this is for sale in China by Sansang uh, Motors, which is not a trivially sized Chinese car company. But one of the things that was happening in China more last decade than this was that Chinese automakers often just built direct ripoffs of Western products because who was going to stop them? And in this case, they built this incredible ripoff of a 1958 Chevy. And there's, there's absolutely no hiding the fact that that's what they have done here, although it, it lost a lot in the translation. The proportions of this car are really bad. This is, <laughs> this is a shocking, shockingly ugly clone of the Corvette that they're selling for an awful lot of money. Uh, now I don't see it. I, I don't see it here. What, what, what's uh, what is? It, it's a complete ripoff then of the other car. It's a complete ripoff, but they had to use existing uh, an existing platform, so the wheelbase is off, and probably for their own uh, Chinese crash testing reasons, they couldn't really go with the short overhangs of the Corvette. Oh, so the car yeah. just the proportions are very bad. Oh yeah, also, I'm looking at. I, I, yeah. Finally, I've got it. I'm looking at it. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What, you, you were, continuing yeah there's weird stuff the windshield is too far back the doors are too small and and it just looks fat for some reason yeah. and then additionally they went with these really small headlights that look strange they're led headlights which are modern but they're too small because we would have used the old 
uh, old candescent bulbs that, that cars had for decades. And these are really weird representations of those. It's a very strange looking vehicle. Uh, can I just say, I want you to, I want you to, to, uh, to, to tell everyone about the opening paragraph of the piece that you wrote, uh, because you bring up a Gary Marshall produced TV show that I don't think anybody on earth remembers. Remembers. <laughs> this is this is your whole starting off point for this piece, and I think it's fantastic. Explain uh, first of all the, the the TV show that you are referring to and what the analogy means here with regards to the dolphin. Yeah, my point was, who, <laughs> who's watching the kids? Was about a pair of <laughs> Vegas showgirls, and I think they were just supposed to be Vegas strippers, but they couldn't say that on the show. Um, and, and they had kids at home who got into trouble because no one was watching them. And my point was Chinese automakers often get into trouble because no one is watching them. I see. And, and the thing about Gary Marshall, too, is if anyone has the time, YouTube is packed with opening credits for about 200 Gary Marshall shows that didn't last three months. Yeah. Yeah, he well, had the I'm big looking, hits, I, and he I'm, had a lot of flops. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, the, at the credits now because there's a link if you want to see the opening credits for this there's a link marsha lewis is on it it looks like scott Bayo. yep on a skateboard falling into a pool so that means something funny is going to happen yep it's wacky uh, it looks wacky oh someone's trying to stretch and they just, oh wait mary beth is linda goodfriend mary mary beth from happy days was in this is that jim belushi it is oh my god okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man who's watching the kids jim belushi falls back oh my god Oh, wow. Okay. Gary. Oh, and Jim Belushi. He's, he's got the and special credit. It's like yeah, a treat. Yeah, probably he's, before he deserved it. He's the treat of the show. Wow. Anyway, that's linked up if you want to see that. So if you want to see the opening credits, <laughs> if you want to see that, there it is. The opening credits for that are linked up uh, in that wonderful analogy that you put between the Gary Marshall show and the dolphin. I, <laughs> what is happening with this vehicle now, the dolphin? What do we see happening? I, I, it's supposed to be on sale, and I can't find evidence that that's true. So I don't know how many of these they've made, and I don't know if it's on sale now. Uh -huh. But I couldn't find an English-language website uh, that proved either, either thing. Right. But I believe they actually built them and sold them because if you look at these pictures, they spent money on an auto show launch. There's, there's all sorts of weird yeah. props and sets. and yeah, yeah. yeah, money was spent to deliver this thing to the people. But it might not be making it. They might not be making it. Okay, all right. Uh, it was it, it was easier to find uh, a Gary Marshall show from the seventies than it was to find <laughs> uh, when it was to find news about this vehicle. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was easier to find. It was easier to find a record of who's watching the kids uh, uh, that that existed uh, with Scott Baio and Jim Belushi. Oh my God! All right, well. Hey, listen, it's a nice segue. Look at this. We're going right into a segue here to TV. You watch a lot of TV, Tom. I do. And I you, do. You, you, you particularly enjoy old Western television shows and old Westerns. And you do this thing that I love to follow on your Facebook page. If people want to follow you on Facebook, they can. You are known as the hashtag star spotter. Yeah. And to the chagrin of your, your, of your daughter and your wife, you tend to, uh, <laughs> have to have to freeze shows when someone famous shows up. Tell us a little bit about some of the recent star spotting activities that you did. Yeah, I've had a pretty good week, actually. Um, <laughs> I love that. I've had a pretty good week. <laughs> spotting stars. Pretty good week. 
Now, the, fir the first one means that I was watching color or Gunsmoke in Color, and the Color episodes are no good. That was too late in the run, and the original writers were gone. But I did spot Diane Mulder or Dr. Pulaski to Star Trek fans on uh, Gunsmoke. Mm. And by the uh, way, speaking of Star oh, I know how big a Star Trek fan you are. Uh, yeah. Boy, oh boy, yesterday was a sad day, huh? That was, yeah. Oh, my daughter is a big fan of, of Nichelle as well, so she's yeah, a bit no. bummed. She passed away. Nichelle Nichols, if you don't, if you didn't know, passed away. Not only an incredibly cool actress, not only one of the most memorable characters in television history, but incredibly groundbreaking, an important uh, actress, an important character. Uh, passed away. She was 89. Um, yeah. So um, that was that was sad. Um, that was that was really sad. But Dr. Pulaski showed up on Gunsmoke. That was a good one, Star Spotter. I yep, love that in, in the entry that you put for Star Spotter, you didn't bother to put her actual, the actor's name. You just, nah. put, you just put Dr. Pulaski on, Star, on Gunsmoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Yeah, and also, you didn't put uh, uh, Ward Cleaver's real name either because he was on Wagon Train. Yeah, was that Hugh, Hugh Beaumont? Is that Hugh Beaumont, yes. He yeah. Ward Cleaver. Speaking of Cleaver... Uh, Tony Dow passed away uh, just this past week. Wow, it's is is Star Spotter? Are you are you cursed? What's going on? Yeah, maybe it, now it's <laughs> Death Spotter. <laughs> Jeez, uh, is it, it? It must be kind of fun to spot because I'm looking at this picture of Ward Cleaver on Wagon Train as you just and it's just hilarious to picture him not in a suit sitting at the dinner table waiting for dinner. Yeah, you know also I mean? this character was something of a putz and a patsy. Was uh, it really? Is, yeah, it, it's not. It's not the. It's not the Beaver's dad that you expect. No, Burgess Meredith was on Wagon Train this week. That's always cool. Anytime you can see Burgess Meredith. Yeah, and he's always awesome, no yep. matter what. Yep. Uh, come on, the legendary Harry Dean. Man, Harry Dean Stanton looking young, and I don't think Harry Dean Stanton, in my opinion, ever looked young. But he looks really young in this picture. <laughs> He did, and he famously always pays just some awful person on Gunsmoke. He shows up a lot. Yeah. He's probably in a dozen episodes, and he's yeah. always just kind of a schmuck. Yeah. God, Harry Dean Stanton. God, I love that guy. One of my favorite uh, character actors of all time. What a great picture. So Harry Dean Stanton pops up on Gunsmoke. Um, and sometimes when you're watching, do you see the name in the credits at the beginning and go, oh, or do, or do you just watch it, and whenever they pop up, you immediately get the, get the phone out? Uh, the only show, the only the, one of the, the traditional Westerns where you will see the guest stars in the opening credit is Bonanza. Hmm. So you have to watch. Okay. And, and it's, it's cheating to go to IMDb. You have to watch. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I totally understand. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. I, I noticed also as I was scrolling through before we let you go, you watched a little Rosemary's Baby this past week. <laughs> Couple of weeks we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Now, who watched it? Was it you and your daughter and your? My, my wife and my daughter. Uh, my wife was really unhappy about it. My daughter is still deciding what she thought about the movie. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. It's a little weird to watch now, but I love. I mean, well, it's a little weird to watch then too. Um, but no, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Rosemary's. But particularly, I mean, uh, I I love the supporting cast in it. I love everybody in it. Um, very creepy movie. It still holds up, and I it's, love John. I love John Cassavetes. I just love it, him. Yeah, it's super creepy, and I know now never to take anything that Ruth Gordon gives me and drink it. <laughs> yeah, I just you know what? I, one of the things I love most about it, I just watched it recently too, Tom. It's weird because I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it was on at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, this seems appropriate. 
Um, I also, it, to me, it just seems like maybe the most accurate portrayal of living in a big brownstone apartment building in Manhattan. That just seems like that happens. In, <laughs> that just happens in every apartment building in Manhattan. Do you happen to know why John Cassavetti stars in the movie, and then there are characters in the movie with his last name? Ah, uh, you know the neighbors, weird. Ruth Gordon and her husband, were yeah. Cassavetti's. That's yeah, really weird. I, it's got to be in the book because I know it's based on it's based on a bestseller. So it's gotta oh, be a, it's got to be a coincidence. So it's because that's a weird on, coincidence. It is a weird coincidence. Yeah, it really is. So all right. Well, you continue to spot stars, and what are we working on? What are we working on in Consumer Guide Automotive to look forward to uh, next time? Wow, working on a review right now of a really interesting car. Excited of the last of the station wagons. It's the Mercedes-Benz E450 All-Terrain, and because you can't really sell a station wagon anymore, it's sort of an outbacked station wagon. It's a little ah. bit lifted, a little bit off-roady looking, and mm-hmm. it's in a really great orange, like a burnt orange color. So I'm actually working on that review right now. Cool. All right. That sounds like fun. Always great to talk to you, uh, You too. Tom. And we will talk again. The uh, It'll be uh, – we'll figure out exactly when we're going to talk because I think the next time that we speak will be Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, if uh, if there's some vacation time that we can that we have to schedule around, but we'll do that. All right, I can uh, be flexible. All right, so can so can I. Not, but you can't be flexible in that new car you're driving around. Hey, no, see what I did no. there? Yeah, yeah whoa. Little, little, hold on a second. There it is. Hold on a minute. Or more appropriate. Or more appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. Always a pleasure. Everybody, check out Consumer Guide dot Consumer Guide Automotive Consumer Guide Correct. That's it. For all your needs. All right, Tom, we'll talk to you next month, buddy. Thanks a lot. See you later. All right, that's Tom Appel. He is the best. Uh, you know who else is the best? My dad. My dad's the best, and he's the best at telling jokes, which he's going to do right now. Ooh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah, that's right. It is time for Nick's dad to tell a joke um, every uh, Tuesday of the first Tuesday of each month. Or not the... Yeah, no, every Tuesday. What the hell is wrong with me? This is the first Tuesday of each month. We're wrapping up the uh, For the People. But every Tuesday, my dad tells a joke, and uh, he always stops by. Wait a minute. Hi. Oh, wait. Let's see. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, I Carrie. love Nick's show. I know, Carrie. Get it, you got to move out of the way. My dad's got to tell a joke. All right. Hey, Dad, you got her out of the way. Let's hear a joke. How did a pirate become a boxing champion? No one was ready to take his right hook. <laughs> It was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. I can never go wrong with a pirate joke. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right. There you go. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. All right. I, I love right. Nick's show. Okay. Uh, all right. He'll do it again next Tuesday. Okay. Uh, the next time that we uh, all are together 
It'll be on Friday, this Friday, on episode 58, when the great PJ Souls, one of the greatest actresses ever, is going to join an old friend of mine who I've known for years. She was in Carrie. She was in Halloween. She was in Rock and Roll High School. She was in Stripes. Among other great movies, a legendary classic actress who's going to be joining us. She is also part of the Flashback Weekend and will be a guest on the very live podcast, the very first live podcast that we do at Flashback Weekend. So PJ Souls is a guest on uh, the next episode of the Nick D Podcast, and she will also be on stage with me and Esmeralda as we host our very first live Nick D Podcast at the Flashback Weekend this Saturday, August 6th at 1230 in the afternoon. Be there, the Rosemont Ballroom, for PJ Souls live on stage, and PJ Souls will be on as a guest on the next episode of this very podcast. My thanks to everybody involved. Jason Skaggs, I want to thank Herb Weisbaum and Tom Appel for the people helping everybody out. And uh, we want to thank you for being a part of the Nick D Podcast. Again, voicemail messages any single time you want, anything that's on your mind, we play them, we listen to them. 773-417-6948 or drop us an email anytime. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Take the time to rate and review us at RadioMisfits.com and anywhere that uh, podcasts are available. Be a sponsor, too. Buy some ad time. Do a little advertising with us. Contact us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. All right. Uh, we thank you for listening. We thank you for subscribing. It means a lot to us. It's the Nick D Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. See you later. Radio Misfits.